0: This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2.
1: Many Australians will be aware of the work of Dr. Catherine Hamlin, known for her work helping women who suffer from obstetric fistulas in Ethiopia. Today, two million African women are estimated to be suffering from obstetric fistulas. Dr. Andrew Browning is an Aussie who has spent almost 20 years working in Africa, continuing the work begun by Dr. Catherine Hamlin. He's operated on more than 7,000 women, and he's told his story, Story in a new book called A Doctor in Africa. Welcome, Andrew. Great to have you with us.
0: Yeah, thanks, Katrina, and lovely to be here.
1: Now, your first experience of Africa was in 1993 as a young medical student. What was it about the place that captivated you then?
0: Well, it actually captivated me well before then. We've had a lot of family links to Africa. My aunt's been living in Ethiopia for. Close to 50 years, and I've had other cousins. and My grandfather actually um, lived in what was then Rhodesia for a while, and so did an aunt of mine. Africa's always been in the background in our family, but I went there as a medical student and to Tanzania to a mission hospital that our church had been supporting, and I just fell in love with the work. Um, it was a, a wonderful way to use God's gifts that he'd given me as an aspiring doctor to to serve him, and and by doing so, serving the poor. So it was right at the beginning of the Rwandan genocide that I landed there, and uh, we were right on the border with Rwanda and Burundi, and there was refugee camps and all sorts of horrible stories to deal with as a doctor. But um, just be in that situation, to be able to love with God's love uh, is what drove me to to a Mm. career in vision medicine.
1: Yeah, it must have been a very confronting time, but also I guess a time when you could have seen the difference that you could make in this profession. When did you come to want to think more about the obstetric fistula side of of the work and getting involved with that?
0: I more or less fell into that. So um, as a junior doctor, I quit my job in Australia and went to work with my aunt in Ethiopia, who's been running a development organisation to the nomadic Afar tribe in the desert. She pretty well looks after one and a half million Afars with her and her husband's organisation with health and literacy, all sorts of things. But I visited the what was called the Fistula Hospital when there, this was back in 1996, and whenever I was back in the capital, Addis Ababa, where the Fistula Hospital was, I would go and visit Catherine Hamlin and she'd ask me back every time to operate with her and have lunch with her. And When I left Ethiopia, uh, she offered me a job. Uh, with her organisation. So um, I thought and prayed about that and eventually took it up and then worked with her with the fistula patients for 10 years and just fell in love with the patient.
1: For those who aren't, like, familiar with the condition, can you explain what obstetric fistula is?
0: Yeah, it might be easiest if I do that by telling a, a patient's story. Okay. The the story of Hilda. She was a patient of mine in East Africa And she was married young, which they're not sure how old they are when they're married, but um, she was probably married about the age of 15 and soon pregnant. Mm. Where she lived was miles from any hospital or or midwife or doctor. So she did what most women in the world do and tried to deliver her baby at home. Mm. She was one of the unlucky 5% who got into obstructed labor, which Mm. means the baby's just getting stuck. Um, And that happens in 5% of women in Australia or anywhere in the world. So here, um, if that happens, baby's stuck, you call a doctor and um, the doctor does a caesarean and everything's fine. But for Hilda, she couldn't get to a doctor and she stayed in labor for four days. Oh, gosh. By then, she was unconscious. Mm. And on the fourth day of labor, on the floor of her little hut in the Billy's Mud Hut, she's lived a a dead, stillborn child. It took her two days to regain consciousness But when she did, she found that she was leaking uncontrollably from her bladder.
1: Mm.
0: Because she'd been in labor for so long, the baby's head had been pressed against her bony pelvis and all the tissues between, which is the bladder, birth canal, rectum birth canal, all of those can die, have a blood supply cut off and die. So after they deliver their stillborn child, all those dead tissues come away and Hilda was left with a big fistula or a hole between the bladder. Birth canal. So she was leaking uncontrollably every minute of every day. She stank. She was ashamed. Husband divorced her. Um, Her family looked after her, but over a period of 10 years, she went to five different hospitals with all the family savings. They had to sell their livestock and even part of their farm. So they became impoverished to try and find treatment, and she still wasn't cured. She uh, eventually found a way to us. Uh, We paid for her, found her in the villages with our outreach workers. We paid for her to come to one of our hospitals in Tanzania and um, took us three operations to get her cured, so, such was the damage that she'd been through. Oh. Um, but she was cured and she was absolutely transformed from someone who was thinking about taking her own life to someone who was just full of the, the joy of life and being able to be part of a, a normal society again. And she's now actually one of our biggest ambassadors find other patients. He goes around villages saying, look, I was cured of this condition, so can you? And she brings them to us. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. Yeah. And um, I've met over 12,000 ladies just like Hilda in my career. And uh, there's many, many more that I continue to hope
1: to meet. You know, we've been hearing about this condition for a little while. Why is it still such a problem in Africa?
0: There's a problem because there's simply not enough hospitals um, to, for women to deliver in, so there's no access, mm-hmm. and so that's why we started the Barbara May Foundation, not only to take what the hammers had started in Ethiopia to the rest of Africa, uh, so we do fistula work in the rest of Africa now, but also to prevent it, and we prevent it by building maternity hospitals so women can deliver for free, and uh, we would we did have fistulas in Australia, fistula patients in Australia and America and Europe um, in the 1800s. Um, But they've been eradicated here now because all women can have a caesarean if they need to. And we're going to have that same situation in Africa and Southeast Asia until all women can get to have a a safe delivery in a hospital if they need to.
1: So it sounds like the Barbara May Foundation is also working on the prevention of fistula rather than just the surgeries. Is that right?
0: Yeah, so that's our main thing. So in last year, we provided 15,000 free deliveries for for ladies uh, and not a single fistula in amongst those ladies, but there's still a lot more to do. With With the Lutheran Church, we're just about to open a new maternity hospital in um, South Sudan. uh, So that'll add to the number of free deliveries occurring each year and also the scope. But there's much, much more to do. So we'll we'll do our bits and do as much as Um, we have the provisions for as much as God provides with us with there's always more to do
1: Mm. now you've been working in Africa for around 17 years you know how much has it changed in that time
0: yeah it has changed Um, there are there's been more development uh, with the Millennium Development Goals for governments to build more maternity units, so that's been great. So uh, there's been strides to reduce mothers dying in, in childbirth, and more broadly there's a bigger middle class in Africa now, so the cities are growing and there's more um, middle class people in Africa, but there's still a majority living in the urban areas, just just living on their small plot of land and quite impoverished. And um, so still there's a lot of mothers dying and a lot of women getting fistulas. So although things are improving, there's still a long way to go to achieve our aim of eliminating women dying in pregnancy and, and getting fistulas.
1: And what about for you and your family? Like you lived there for such a long time and understand you've now been back in Australia for a few years. It must have been a really big adjustment for you all to come back and live in Australia again. What's that been like?
0: It's been a struggle. I mean, I still commute back to Africa five or six times a year, so I I run now charities from Australia and then go back to teach and operate. So I'm lucky that I can go back and still get my my fix of being in Africa again and the work that we do. But um, it was a struggle for the boys especially, um, after having all their life in Africa Mm. and in a rural, more rural setting, and coming back to Australia, it's much more isolated life in Australia. Um, people are much more alone, which some um, of the boys found, uh, we all found, quite a struggle. Uh, where Africa is much more of a community. I and mean, When you go out on the street, everyone's on the street, and you meet people, and it's impossible to be be alone. Um, Here, yeah, where well, everyone in Australia tends to be in their homes more, mm. so um, that was a, probably one of the biggest things. And, I wonder um, if
1: COVID really exacerbated that difference too.
0: Yeah, possibly. I mean, many more people working from home now, aren't they? Mm.
1: Andrew, one thing that really comes across in the book is how much your faith is a part of all this work. And I know it's you know it's not it's not an inverted commas you know Christian book as such, but it really is a very big part of your life. How would you explain the role that your faith has had in this work?
0: Uh, well, it's been inspired by my faith. I committed my life to Christ, to God, when I was 14. And it does change your worldview as as you turn from living your own way to to living God's way. And God, I often get asked, you know, why didn't you stay in Australia and have a a wealthy, comfortable life? But God's never asked us to do that. He's asked us to love our neighbor. Well, first of all, love God, but also to love our neighbor as ourselves. And what a wonderful way, a wonderful, wonderful way. Place to, to love people and to the fistula patients in Africa um, and in Southeast Asia. Yeah. I mean, there are very needy people. It's so easy to to show them God's love, mm. and by living God's way, I mean, it's much more fulfilling, much more fulfilling, uh, following God and sharing His love than ever you know any material possession could give you.
1: Mm. You did also have some moments of, I would say, very clear spiritual guidance. You know, where you had like almost a premonition, a feeling of like this is going to be an important moment, or for example, you know, meeting your wife. So do you feel that that you have had a little bit of spiritual guidance along the way?
0: <laughs> yeah, prompting, perhaps. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's... Very few days or weeks that I would be in Africa and, you know, sometimes very difficult places like Somalia, Congo, uh, Sierra Leone, and you think, what on earth am I doing here? And uh, it was a great encouragement to look on those, well, there were some very direct answers to prayer and guidance from God and uh, take strength and encouragement from that, that this is, you know, what I should be doing with my life and how I should be serving God. And that's given me the strength to be able to stay through some very, very challenging times.
1: Mm. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your story. What, I guess, is the main thing that you want Australians to understand about your work with the Barbara May Foundation and your goals for the future with that
0: well, I want to thank Australians because um, it's only through your generous donations that we've been able to build these hospitals and take the work um, out of Ethiopia to the rest of Africa. And um, so the Barbara May Foundation is you know, a tax-deductible thing and people have been generously that, that donating to us. And it doesn't cost much, only 200 Australian dollars is all it costs a lady to have all her clinic visits, including blood tests and ultrasounds and things, in our hospitals, and then a delivery with us, including 14% chance of a caesarean if, if they need so need a caesarean, and then the postnatal visit, the immunise child, only costs 200 Australian dollars. So you can prevent a fistula or save a mother and baby's life just with um, 200 dollars. So that's we thank the Australian public for. for providing that but also want to let them know that I mean it is God's people doing this work it's largely the missions and the mission endeavors that um, the church has been doing all this work and um, in Africa 50 percent of all health care is provided by um, mission church hospitals which is a, a wonderful testimony to how active God is in the world.
1: Mm, Yeah, sure is. Well, thank you so much for sharing your work with us. And um, of course, anyone who wants to know more can read the new book, A Doctor in Africa. We've been speaking with Dr. Andrew Browning, an obstetric surgeon and founder of the Barbara May Foundation. uh, And the sale of his book supports the Barbara May Foundation too. Thank you so much, Andrew.
0: Thanks, Katrina. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope1032's
1: free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.